Three Dog Thursday on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you in part by Odds Crowd, and Odds Crowd has a ton of free fantasy betting contests, including a $2,000 season-long MLB contest and a $500 weekly contest. Just download their app today at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is your home to free daily video picks from the SGPN. It's like YouTube for sports gambling. And make sure that you subscribe to our profile at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. We're also brought to you in part by Roman. Roman is the straightforward way to take care of your ED. Get Roman.com slash SGP. Get you $15 off your first month. That's GetRoman.com slash SGP. And college football fans, we're also doing a $500 FCS playoff bracket challenge that is completely free. Just go to SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash FCS. That's SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash FCS. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, as we roll along on the only digital radio show that devotes its time to those little guys, those lesser knowns, given less of a chance, those underdogs. I am merely the somewhat capable host. I will enlist the services of senior handicapper from Vegas Insider and MajorWager.com, Brian Edwards, with me shortly to talk some NBA. We're eventually going to talk a bunch of NFL draft on this show, not only with Brian, but with other guests. He's even got some UFC thoughts for an underdog or two, et cetera, for the UFC pay-per-view coming on Saturday. Middle segment, lots of NFL draft with former Jets first-round pick, 12-year NFL veteran Anthony Beck. Love me some AB. He's going to tell his draft story, talk about the Jets draft, lots of debate about the quarterbacks at the top. Anthony Beck with me off the YouTube roundtable. Also on a YouTube segment, Jason Cole, longtime NFL national reporter, written a great book about John Elway, former number one overall pick. We'll talk about number one overall picks. We'll talk about the quarterbacks this year, et cetera, with Jason Cole as well. So plenty to get to on the show. Reminder, however you found us, social media link through Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows, through sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Subscribe. Find us. I know Apple Podcast wants me to say, follow us. Don't subscribe. Follow us if you're on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe everywhere else. Spotify, Google Podcasts. This show comes automatically to you on Thursday. We give out great handicapping advice as best we can uh, throughout the year. Football, college basketball, now into the NBA, etc. on Three Dog Thursday. So again, however you found the show, easiest way to get it, it comes automatically to you if you subscribe or follow us. With all of that out of the way, here he is, back for another week uh, to give me some insight, some analysis, some underdog predictions if necessary or if needed. Brian Edwards back aboard here on Three Dog Thursday 
from Vegas Insider and MajorWager.com. Another week, and we're back again. How are you feeling? We're heading down the home stretch in the NBA. We got an NBA uh, NFL draft looming, et cetera. How are things? Good, man. NBA picks are doing me right. The Knicks are on fire. Had them last night. Uh, things are things are good. Keontae Johnson is coming back to Florida, but um, I you know I think he needs to be. If he's cleared, I think he needs to be getting paid if he's going to risk his life. But he makes his own decisions. He's not going into the draft. So maybe he plays for the Gators next year. I, I guess I'll want that. I don't know. Let's hope so. Uh, for his sake, a lot of moving and shaking in the transfer portal for sure. In college Ooh, basketball, nice. a lot of guys. Johnny Juzang, by the way, off that NCAA tournament yes. says, I am turning pro, but I'm not signing with an agent. I'm waiting to see where my status would be quick take from you based off that NCAA tournament. I got to believe he's a top 10 pick. Would it shock you that he comes back to UCLA and doesn't take the risk that he's not, I, I think he's a lottery pick off of what we saw in the tournament, Johnny Juzang, UCLA. What do you think? Well, I mean, I kind of had similar thoughts, but then I, every mock draft I went to and every like best available rankings I went to, uh, he's nowhere to be found, which I, you know, I, you know, I'm not, when I'm watching the tournament, I'm not, you know, breaking down every defensive possession of his, I'm not, and I'm looking at the NBA's top 100 right now and I'm not, I'm still not seeing his name. So maybe they haven't, maybe, maybe they haven't updated it. I got to, yeah. he's, but bro, he's top 100, he's top 50, sure. he's top 25. So the question is, is he a lottery pick? Or is he better off to come back at UCLA for another year and improve his stock? And there have been guys that have done that. So we'll see. Yeah. You know, maybe, I don't know what, maybe it's, I don't know what, I mean, he obviously is a professional bucket maker as we saw in numerous, I mean, all those were elimination games for obviously every game in the tournament. Right. But I mean, it just showed with the pressure, how good he is period. He blossomed and he's got uh, size. He's got uh, length with the wingspan and the whole thing. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen uh, with him? Uh, so let's get into the NBA a little bit. And then uh, we'll talk about a couple of games on uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, et cetera, for the audience here and what your thoughts might or might not be. Again, with the disclaimer, so many players are sitting out, opting to rest. Uh, it's very difficult because the lines aren't coming out till later and, and the injury info. I mean, I was just right before we hit the record button, the Clippers are playing on Wednesday night at the time that we're taping before three dog Thursday. And it's like half the roster is not playing in the game tonight, Brian. And I see you nodding along. It makes handicapping these things, a grizzly bear to try to figure out. Yeah. yeah I haven't, I haven't um, posted any plays yet. Cause I'm kind of just waiting until late afternoon this time of year. Cause I, mean, I don't want to post a play in the morning sure. and then five guys are out at, at by three o'clock in the afternoon. So, um, yeah, I'm yet to post any plays today. Yeah. We're so betting. that's, that's one of the challenges that's on that. So we'll get into some of that in a couple of moments. Uh, there's a lot of talk about Steph Curry and, and he has been phenomenal and now multi-time uh, world champion. Obviously they're not the same team when the splash brothers are not together without clay Thompson. Uh, the last two years, it's been humbling. That's the word I'll use for golden state. Uh, who is hovering right around 500 right now late in the NBA season. But still, Steph Curry, torrid, torrid shooting pace with the three-pointers. Um, uh, amazing. Uh, what is it, like seven games in a row with at least 40 points and at, le or at least like 38 points and at least five three-pointers made. So torrid shooting pace. A lot of debate about whether the defense is watered down. I know Colin Cowherd, who loves to stir it up nationally, was stirring it up about is it the defense is bad, a COVID year, 
you know, a lot of reserve guys that wouldn't normally be playing are playing and trying to guard people. Do you poo-poo some of what we're seeing 2021 Steph Curry, or do we just have to bow to, to amazing shooting being amazing shooting, Brian? Uh, amazing shooting being amazing shooting. Cowherd knows nothing about having a, a, a Al Dillard range jumper. Uh, defense doesn't matter with stuff. He'll just go back 10 further feet and get the, all he needs is a clean eye on the rim. All he needs is an open look. That's all he needs. He's got nothing to do with defense. All he needs is a clean look at the rim. Well, I will say this uh, as a longtime NBA fan, I, I still believe to this day uh, that Larry Bird was Larry Bird was the greatest shooter of the basketball that I had seen. Now I'm going to say Michael Jordan is the greatest player. Kobe Bryant fans might want to fight. LeBron James fans might want to fight. Magic Johnson fans might want to fight with all the, uh, the accolades and the success of who's the greatest player. Greatest pure shooter, greatest clutch shooter, greatest step back. Ready I mean, you're this not list, along. buddy. Yes. You ready for my list? I'll, I'll get your list in a second. But I believe Steph Curry, this could be blasphemy. Here we go, Brian Edwards. I believe he is a better shooter than Larry Bird. It's close, but I will take him now in the modern day on the hair trigger, the step back three, the 30 foot three, the fall away three, the off balance three. It's close, and that is painful for me to admit on Three Dog Thursday on Steph Curry. You have a list. You were holding it up to me. Go go for it on your all-time shooters. I'm curious now for Brian Edwards, MajorWager.com and Vegas Insider. This is just straight-up jump shots. That's it. That's all this is because, I mean, I've got Bird number five, but he's the best player on this list. All right, my best pure jumpers, one, Steph, two, Ray Allen, three, Reggie Miller, four, Clay Thompson, five, Larry Bird, six, Steve Kerr, seven, the late, great Drazen Petrovic, oh, wow. eight, Kyle Korver, and nine, let's go up to the Plains. This is a tie, uh, the Rifleman, Chuck, and his younger brother, Wesley Person, and apologies to John Paxson for not squeezing him in there. In your top ten. And you go back, and I've been doing this recently. You go back and watch Bird duel with like Chuck Person and the Indiana Pacers in that game in the playoffs, 1991, playoff when yeah. they had that playoff series. Or watch Bird duel with Dominique Wilkins and your Hawks in that epic game seven and 88. But you, you go, quarter. you watch, oh, fourth quarter is just worth it on its own. Just go watch the first, fourth quarter of the 88 Eastern Conference playoff series, Hawks, Celtics, 1988, game seven. Um, but you you watch Bird's shooting display. I went and watched the the one where he scored sixty on the Atlanta Hawks in uh, New Orleans. The Hawks home away from home was New Orleans. They were playing a home game. Bird put sixty on them with the great John Sterling, the Yankees. The Yankees win, calling the game for the Atlanta people, Hawks and the Celtics. People forget he was the Braves announcer before he was the Brave uh, or for the Yankees in the eighties. Yes. It was. Sterling and uh, Pete Van Weeren and Ernie Johnson and Skip. Yeah. Um, you know, I was at my dad took me. He was a huge Celtics fan, and I was a huge or am a huge Hawks fan. And uh, he took me to games three and four at the old Omni of the '88 Eastern Conference semifinals. Wow. You know, before I was at, and the Hawks won both, and then went up to Boston at the Gold Garden and won Game Five. And then Cliff Levingston took that lefty <laughs> hook and didn't give the ball to Dominique. And Dominique. <laughs> 
is bitter to this minute. He, he it often gets brought up, you know, because he's the color analyst for all the Hawks games, and I've got the package. Uh, it often comes up when the Hawks are playing the Celtics, and he just he just mauls Cliff Levingston every time oh. in that set up Game Seven on that fourth but quarter. Do, but Dominique still had chance after chance in Game Seven, and he made a bunch of shots, but Bird made more he went in for the forty-seven Celtics. that day. It's crazy. <laughs> I still remember going to playoff games at the old Omni when I lived in Chattanooga, Tennessee. By the way. Brian Edwards to go Good watch city. the Hawks and the Celtics in the Choo Choo City to go go south about an hour and a half to Atlanta to go watch playoff games. So it's great that you and I are kindred spirits in that regard. Uh, now wait a minute on your list, you're telling me Ray Allen, Reggie Miller, and who else a better shooter than Larry Bird in your top five besides Steph Curry? Who was the fourth one better? Clay Thompson. No. I'm saying Bird's a better player than all them. I'm, just I'm saying I'm saying pure shooter. I'm saying if your life depended on it to make the shot, I'm by a hair going Steph one, Bird two, and you're telling me you're taking Ray Allen to pure shoot, Reggie Miller, and Clay Thompson in front of Larry Bird. I'm not going along with that. I would take I mean, I, Michael. I, I would take Michael on a pure shot before I yeah, would take he, any of those three guys. Jordan just doesn't have the – he didn't – I mean, don't get me wrong, he hit those threes, especially against Portland in 92 in the oh, first yeah. quarter. But but his range wasn't Steph's or Clay's. I, and, yeah. and I look, I know Reggie never won a title, but I challenge anybody outside of MJ to show me more clutch shots in postseason history than Reggie made. I mean, he's All got right. so many buzzer beaters in postseason history – I mean, at least a, more than a half dozen. I think. There's a 15-minute reel of Larry Bird buzzer beaters, by the way, on YouTube. Just enjoy it anytime you want. I have been recently. I'm saying to the audience, not just to Brian. It is Three Dog sure. Thursday. Brian Edwards hanging with me. A lot of draft talk coming in the middle segments of the show with Anthony Becht and also Jason Cole talking lots of NFL draft. Brian's going to be back in the final segment to talk some draft. Real quick, again, disclaimer, it is very difficult for you to handicap as we're sitting here on Wednesday evening trying to dissect this stuff for Thursday, couple of NBA games of interest. Um, the 76ers are at the Bucks, and the Lakers at the Mavericks with Anthony Davis scheduled to return. And that's an, an interesting Western Conference playoff situation. Lakers probably still an underdog, even with AD back in the lineup at Dallas. Or maybe you disagree with that for Thursday night. I don't know. I don't know, but he's he's scheduled to be back, and that Sixers Bucks game will be interesting. It's also on TNT on national television to keep an eye on. It's in Milwaukee, Philadelphia, probably the underdog, right? Uh well, Embiid is listed as questionable uh, tonight. So in a back-to-back spot, I would, you know, it's kind of iffy. So I, I just and Seth Curry is also questionable tonight. Tonight being Wednesday, so. I have no idea what their status would be tomorrow. It's it's depending on Embiid, obviously. Um, no. Yeah, Philly's Philly. not a home dog to many teams if Embiid's in the lineup. Well, Philly at Milwaukee. We should mention that for oh, Thursday. Oh, Philly at Milwaukee uh, and company. So we'll see what that is. Uh, I, I know you're all over the New York Knicks. And again, at the time that we're taping this, the Knicks are playing the Hawks Wednesday night. We don't know that result, but the Knicks have been rolling, correct? And you're all over that right now. Correct. They have won seven in a row. They've covered in 10 straight. Um, the Hawks are hot, too. They've won uh, nine of their last 11, both straight up and against the spread. And they got John Collins back a couple of games ago. Now they're still missing uh, Gallinari and Dunn and Snell and Hunter 
and I'm forgetting another one. There's five guys out. They're all rotation players. But, um, yeah, the Knicks are rolling. But the Haw- going into Wednesday's game, the Hawks are a half game ahead of them for fourth in the East. So the winner of that game Wednesday night will – a very fluid situation, obviously. The Celtics only a half game back of the Knicks and a game back of the Hawks. But uh, for the time being – the winner of the Knicks and Hawks Wednesday will, will be alone in fourth, but that that's a very fluid situation for weeks to come. Yes. And keep an eye on the uh, Knicks in particular, not playing Thursday or Friday. They'll be back in action with Toronto on Saturday. So if they win and or cover, that would be eight straight wins and 11 straight covers. If that is the case going into that Toronto game uh, for Saturday and one more, because we brought this up last week, we'll do this quickly and then get out of here in this segment, talking pro basketball, the uh, the NBA is going to do the play in for the seven, eight, nine and 10 teams. And Brian, this is how it will work. And I'm saying this for the audience as well. The first thing will be a one game battle for the seven and the eight at the seven, the higher seeds home site and the nine and the 10 in both the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. So four games will determine the seeding head to head, higher seeded team at home. So when those results are done, there will now be another play-in series where seven will play eight and the seven team only has to win once, but the eight team has to win twice. The same thing with nine and 10 in both conferences. So this will play out over about a four or five day period. And the Golden State Warriors, for example, are right now the number nine team at the time that we are taping. They're going to be involved, it looks like, in the play-in in some form or fashion um, so the NBA is looking to drum up interest. They brought this around last year during the pandemic. So there it is explained. So Brian, just give me a quick thought on that because we're headed to that in about three weeks here where seven, eight, nine, and 10 will be playing a play in battle Royal, if you will, over about five days in both the East and the West. Um, I'll give you well two teams to watch out for. Uh, first off the Washington wizards, they are seven and two, both, uh, or I'm sorry, they are, um, have won five straight and seven of their last eight, and they're seven and two against the spread in their last nine. One of the non-covers was by a half point the other night to OKC. They won by 12. It's 12 and a half uh, point favorites. But um, they are healthy now. They've gotten Ish Smith back. They've gotten Gafford back. Uh, he was battling with uh, Zion the other night in that overtime game. I had the Wizards. They won. Um, that you know when when Westbrook and Beal and Westbrook is healthy right now, he hasn't even been sitting out the front or the back of of back to backs. Um, and Hachimura's coming along. Davis Bertans is an outstanding shooter off the bench. Washington can be dangerous. Uh, you know to to eliminate the seven or the eight, uh, right. and then obviously Golden State that you know with Steph and uh, Draymond and Wiggins, and uh, they'll be getting Eric Pascal back, who's one of their better scorers off the bench out of Villanova. He, he, he should be back in the next week or two. And um, so I would say Golden State and Washington are the dangerous teams to watch there in that 7 to 10 range. And again, a lot of uh, a lot of that to sort out over the next two or three weeks on who's in what spot, who gets the home game out of the sevens or out of the nines. Uh, that will be that will be playing in those. We'll watch all of that, see if it sorts out. And again, stay locked in majorwager.com, Brian's social media as well at Vegas B Edwards for any of your Thursday or Friday underdogs uh, and possibilities, spread plays, under overs, whatever. Because the injuries and those kind of things will be sorted out. Who's playing? Who's not playing? More on Thursday and Friday. Stay locked in, Brian. Hang in there. Lots on the NFL draft upcoming in the middle segments. 
Anthony backed with me, the former Jet, the former NFL star, the analyst. Also, Jason Cole, longtime NFL writer and author. He is with me as well, talking NFL draft. His John Elway book about Elway as the first overall pick with the Broncos and later winning the Super Bowls and much more about the draft with Jason. And then Brian is going to be back with me on the other side. All of that still to come. But first, we're brought to you by our friends at WinBet, bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, sports, and games. Generous promos, odds, and parlays are happening right now at WinBet. Get started today. You'll receive a special offer for up to $500 risk-free on a sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at winbet.com. And download the app today. Again, that's wynnbet.com. And we're also brought to you in part by Roman. Look, nobody's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three-putt with the tournament on the line. So you feel like you've come up short in the bedroom sometimes. It's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are also options. You can go to GetRoman.com slash SGP and find out more about ED. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation, ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional works with you, finds out the best treatment. If medication is appropriate, it'll ship out to you for free with two-day shipping. You get started by simply going to GetRoman.com slash SGP and get an online visit set up. Again, go to GetRoman.com slash SGP now. Get $15 off your first month there's no straightforward way to take care of ed but if you go to getroman.com slash sgp you can get started now and save 15 dollars off your first month of treatment with roman we're also brought to you in part by better than dot vegas it's like youtube but for what dgens only care about and that is sports betting we're giving away free daily video picks on our better than vegas profile page and better than dot vegas is always running a ton of free contests as well they've got a bunch of free picks and handicappers to check out make sure you subscribe to our profile and don't miss a pick at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash btv that's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash btv the dogs are barking who will get it done this week three dog thursday now continues here again is tj reeves indeed we are rocking along here on the three dog thursday podcast and full disclosure i don't get to talk to this man enough anymore so i have to bother him around draft time i love my buccaneer former player and former analyst from another mother one anthony beck the former number one draft pick and we will get to this story of the new york jets in 2000 it cannot be that long ago but i love anthony beck hanging with me if you're only hearing us on the audio version of the podcast come find us on the three dog thursday youtube roundtable while we talk draft ab you're rocking the bucks hat i've got the super bowl hat over my shoulder on the youtube show you're looking good how are you feeling as we're approaching draft time here soon Feeling great. Yeah. Great to be back on TJ. Obviously, um, you know, this is a fun time of year for, 
you know, for the Bucks, for all the teams. I mean, you know, I think fans' perspective as well. I mean, this is a year-round thing now. There's there's no off time for fans, which is which is great for the brand, right? So the NFL is definitely happy about that. So, uh, yeah, a lot of great storylines, a lot of things to talk about. Obviously, what's going on, but um, listen, I. I'm excited about it. You know, the draft has been something since I retired. I've gotten more into and enjoyed more. And uh, listen, some some new dreams and some new smiles and tears will be brought to a lot of players' faces coming out of college. And it's a uh, it's a great time for these kids, and uh, they get an opportunity. You know, take that step and 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 kind of set their foundation of who they're going to be or who they're not going to be in the NFL. Always love a great insight from people that have been there, have lived it as you did and have played at the highest level 12 years in the NFL, not only with the Jets, but with the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. Um, so I have great respect for that. I have great respect for like the hat game f- framed up in the shot of the Beck jersey with the name <laughs> and the 88. I don't know if you did that decorating or if Deanne, your wife, did that decorating or if Olivia, your daughter, somebody had some skills with the decorating in the office. And that is very well done. Very strong on the frame up of the shot game that you have going there, my friend. Well, it's normally a mirror behind me, which is preferred <laughs> my wife wants. So I end up taking that down and, and replacing it with my jersey. So, uh, you know, she she actually looks forward to these things being over so she can have her piece of, uh, you know, her piece <laughs> of the office back. But, yeah, you know, it's again, it's, you know, like we talked about, you know, you got to you got to make it look good. And uh, that's what we got. So, yeah, there you, it is. Look, Jersey, you rock it. Balls, you rock stuff. it on all fronts. All right. So let's get to it. The draft is coming up. Um, I'm, I'm curious from your standpoint, it looks it looks as though we're going to have. Uh, four quarterbacks potentially taken right in a row, one, two, three, four. That has never happened before. It's almost an assurity that, I mean, Jacksonville is obviously taking Lawrence at one. The Jets at two look like they're dead set on taking a quarterback after trading Sam Darnold. San Francisco didn't trade up with Miami to take another position, did they, Anthony Beck? Stop me here. They're taking a quarterback. So the only question is whether Atlanta will take a quarterback with Matt Ryan there or someone else will trade in. Are we really about to see four straight quarterbacks taken to begin this draft and set a record? What is your opinion, sir? I mean, it's very possible. I mean, uh, you know, those teams are in dire need of it. And you, you mentioned all of them make a strong case for, you know, at least the first two uh, that they need them right now. So I would say you're right. I think we're going to see those quarterbacks come off the board pretty early. And if they don't, you know, somebody may squeeze up and, you know, maybe the Patriots or somebody else try to get another quarterback, you know, within, the you know, another one added in the first 10 picks. So, uh, you know, is it warranted? Yeah. You know, do we overdraft some of these guys sometimes, but when you have a need and there's some guys that have some production, like the guys coming out this year, um, you know, look, the clock starts over in contracts and they can build some things and, and hopefully figure it out. Because I, I think between me and you, when we watch these guys go early, more than likely it's a fail, right? Because organizations don't understand how to build and continue to put pieces around those guys and, and make it right. So, Hopefully, you know, some of these teams, it works out for them. In particular, one that I cheer for is the Jets, who, uh, you know, like you said, more than likely are taking Zach Wilson at number two, which everyone seems to be talking about. So got to find a way to get it done and get it right with those kind of quarterback picks. And we should make mention, too, that A.B. is a busy man. He'll be up in and around all of the Jets coverage through their social media, through their website of the draft. Uh, leading up to the draft, the Thursday night opening round, again, a three-night event on Thursday, Friday, and actually an all-day and night event on Saturday for the draft. So Anthony will be on all of the Jets' platforms, the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 
Um, all right. I mean, it's, it's, it's past tense now. Did it surprise you that they parted with Sam Darnold? It's easy to say now, no, it didn't surprise you, but maybe it did with a new coaching staff coming in that they didn't give him one more year uh, to try it before, before having to make a decision on the fifth year option. Maybe it didn't surprise you. What about them moving on from Darnold and apparently ready to take a new rookie quarterback? I was good with it either way. You know, I felt like there was an opportunity there to, uh, you know, supply him with the proper needs through draft and free agency uh, to give him a better feel and pieces around him to be successful. Uh, I also understand that, you know, listen, you bring in a young quarterback, add some more pieces similar to him with a new system because everybody's in the same boat now, even Sam, if he were to stay, that you can build around that quarterback. Uh, unfortunately, you're, you're going to have to go through some growing pains, but I think if we looked at the last couple of years with the success of guys like Barrow and Justin Herbert, if you get the right guy and do some things properly, you can have early success. So, uh, you know, for me, the one thing that I can see from the Jets perspective with Sam is that, you know what, as, as good as it may sound to put pieces around him and even build more and put a new system where he could be better, there are some internal things that may not change, right? So there are some bad habits, some things that he's acquired, you know, in particular to around the New York market, the fan base, feeling those internal pressures. Is it, is he good enough to just mentally forget about it, move on and just get, get right. And I think that's hard for some guys. And I think that's part of the process to say, you know what, we bring a young guy in clean slate, OK, he doesn't have those things in his mind right now. Put the best pieces around him and let's see it. Let's see him fly with him. And then, of course, restart the clock and get them cheap and, you know, just say, OK, build a running game, get a solid defense and maybe we can win more games. So uh, I think Sam can be successful. Other play, you know, Carolina is an opportunity for him. Uh, but I also am in, enticed a little bit about Joe Douglas putting his footprint uh, onto this team, who's the general manager of the Jets with a new quarterback and the new pieces around him. If you're only hearing us, that's the voice of Anthony Becht. I love his insight, the former NFL player, now analyst, did a lot of work uh, with ESPN, with college football, worked with Anthony for a lot of years on Buccaneers Radio. He's associated, obviously, closely with the New York Jets, their preseason coverage, uh, et cetera. He'll be part of their draft coverage. Come find the YouTube show as I keep plugging away because I'm sharing the video as we speak on the screen. I am very intrigued by this guy, one Devontae Smith, the wide mm. receiver out of Alabama. And we are looking at some of Devontae Smith's highlights uh, here as it unfolds. Um, on the YouTube uh, video of him. And, uh, you know, again, I, I may be considered a little slanted here because I worked three of the guys' games uh, yeah. this year for Alabama in the regular season, including the Georgia game that we'll see a spectacular catch in, this, this game, the Iron Bowl that we're watching the video of, the catch and run against Auburn. Uh, to me, this guy is a top five talent, especially mm -hmm. when you see Anthony Beck toe tap touchdowns in the back of the end zone, followed by explosive catch and run, followed by run past people over the top. To me, there are some teams that are going to make a mistake passing on this guy. Tell me more about Devontae Smith, and maybe should some teams in the top five be more interested in this guy than they actually are? Yeah, you know, instant game changer. Uh, I think people talk about, you know, the big the, the knock is the size. And I would say this, you know, going against SEC defensive backs week in and week out, you know, I think they've all tried to put their hands on him and do some things physically to shut him down. 
And arguably enough, he's had some, you know, most productive season at any receiver in Alabama. We've, we've seen, you know, those names who they are. And, uh, you know, I think that will translate well in the NFL. You know, what he what he gives up in size, he truly beats you with speed, quickness, ability to get off the line of scrimmage and, you know, make you miss and, and make his body, uh, you know, untouchable in a sense. And, and those are the factors I think you bring to the table with him. And also, you know, I'm not going to doubt this kid one bit. He's been doubted pretty much early on uh, in his career. And what he may be doubted on, I know he can make up for it from his technique and his knowledge and, and the way he plays the game. So uh, there's no question he's going to help a team. Uh, the question is, how do you, how do you figure like, okay, you know, there's always need based, there's best available. And then there's just guys that fall into that, you know, okay, he's available. What do we do? You know, he's the best player available and who we have rated on our board. Um, I think he's, you know, if you pass on him, whoever gets him, he's going to be outstanding there. You know, Jamar chase is obviously a guy that's very similar, a little bigger, and I think some people are starting maybe, you know, lean towards him a little bit. But, man, I, it'd be hard to pass up Smith if you need a, if you need a game changer receiver. I, I'm sorry. I didn't go to LSU. I didn't go to Alabama. Jamar Chase ain't better than Devontae Smith. Not even, not even close on that uh, in terms of big play after huge play after big play after big play throughout his career. And the one thing I keep coming back to that the Alabama coaching staff Uh, talked about Steve Sarkeesian the last couple of years, attention to detail, the route running, how much better he got at it. That translates uh, into the NFL. And sure, I know there are receivers that get taken in the first round or in the top 15 or even the top 10 that don't pan out, but there are a great number of them that have been huge impacts. Calvin Johnson, bigger, Julio Jones, bigger, Mike Evans, bigger, but there are plenty of guys that have made tremendous impact uh, that are that are at a smaller size, that have speed, et cetera. I just think it would be my opinion again. It would be a mistake for teams uh, that aren't dead set on the quarterback to pass this guy over or take another receiver, Anthony Beck, instead of him. I'm going on the record yeah. one more time. Use it all you want, every which direction. Whoever is taking a receiver in front of Devontae Smith will regret it. There it is. I'm saying it out there. Yeah, I mean, you know, people say he's not even the best receiver on the in his own team, which is is hard to believe as well. But uh, you know, look, the kid's humble, production, like all the things you just talked about. I mean, uh, you know, what box, what other box does he have to check in the in the in the situation? So you're right. I think uh, you know they'll they'll pay if if they pass him up. All right, we will see what happens with him. And again, Alabama could have three or four guys go in the top 10 or the top 15 with Mac Jones, the quarterback. You made reference to Jalen Waddell off the injury, who's explosive, but there's still questions as to how much he's recovered from the injury, how good can he be post-injury. And then Patrick Sertan, the son of the former player, you played against Patrick Sertan, the dad. This is Patrick Sertan, the second. His son, the former Miami Dolphin, uh, where is he going to end up? So uh, Alabama always has just a, a, a roll call of players in the first and the second round of the draft. Speaking of the first and the second round of the draft, we have waited far too long to bring this up. In April of 2000, my man, Anthony Beck, there he is, was part of NFL draft history. Look at the baby face, Anthony Beck on the left. If you're with us on the YouTube roundtable, we're in the 88. You were part of NFL draft history, as you know, but I'm illuminating it to the audience. The first time ever ever that a team picked four, count them, four players in the opening round of the draft. It was Chad Pennington, Sean Ellis, John Abraham, and one Anthony Beck tight end out of West Virginia. What does that mean to you 21 years later that you're still part of NFL history the first time that that ever happened? 
it's unbelievable, you know, and uh, I'm proud of it. I mean, and to think that, you know, Parcells hit on every one of those guys. And I think that the, the thing that is even more glaring is he hit on a fifth guy. Lavernius Coles was in that draft as well for us. We had all five of those guys play over 60 plus years in the NFL combined. I mean, mm. say what you want. You can compare that to whatever draft class across the league, anything like that. You hit on five guys just like that. And, and I know we went to different places, but we all, uh, you know, were important pieces at those other places as well. So uh, I'll put that class up against anybody. I know there's been a couple with three and two. One guy went to the Hall of Fame, maybe a couple of pro bowlers. But, man, you know, Abraham's got a bunch of pro bowls and and Chad led for a very long time as well. And Lavernius, uh, just key contributors for football teams and uh, just an amazing group of guys. And every one of those guys, you know, we're still close and, and tight and they're doing great things. So uh, just an unbelievable time to be a part of that. And, and listen, I was I was the fourth of those four, and I was yep. the one getting thrown into the fire early because I had to play now. Chad was given, you know, an opportunity after Vinny and Abraham and Ellis worked their way in uh, situationally. But, man, I was just like the pressure was on for me, and I was just like, man, this is crazy. So uh, definitely some great memories. All right, so I want you to tell the draft story here for the audience, uh, not only that are hearing us, but are also seeing us because it's a great one. Again, that draft uh, was a Saturday afternoon start for the first round. It was not the prime time that it has been now for the last decade or so. And they took forever, 15 mm. minutes a pick, long, long day. The Jets have multiple picks. They're making picks. You're on the phone with multiple teams. Pick up the story on what happened because this is a tremendous story. And I love you telling it every time I get the chance to introduce it to a different audience. Go. Well, you know, Bill Parcells had told me on my on my, my visit to the Jets that, you know, he, he was taking a tight end there taking me. He was pretty open about it. And, he, and, you know, he was probably like, you know, after we get our first two players done, which are going to be defensive guys, we're going to take the tight end. So in my mind, I was like, OK, I'm going to go 17. Well, it just so happened that Chad had slipped through a couple of the teams. He was supposed to go to the 49ers. He was supposed to go to the, the Steelers. And all of a sudden he falls into their lap. And you got a Vinny Testaverde who's 30, whatever. So they end up taking him at 17. So now um, here comes 27, t -t 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 -t, all the way to the 27th pick, the last one for the Jets. Clearly this is it. Everybody in my party, which is 60-plus people, we got a tent. We got, a, uh, we got couches outside. We got a, a big screen TV, one of the big ones, you know, the old school ones we rolled in. And I had a phone. It was a phone that was wired all the way into the to a screened area inside of our house. And we put it on a table like a bath phone. So, you know, the process is you get a call. Everybody's happy, smiling. Here comes the commissioner, makes the pick. And there you celebrate with your family and friends. So here we are. Pick 26 goes and, you know, everything's great. And I'm thinking, OK, get near the phone a little bit, get myself situated on the couch. The clock starts ticking five minutes down to 10, 10 minutes down to five. No call. Nothing's going on. I can hear whispers of folks in the, you know, in my close friends, like, oh, man, I thought, you know, I thought he's going to the Jets here. Where, where's his call? How come the phone's not ringing? And I'm thinking to myself, damn, these guys are right. What the hell's going on? The phone's not ringing. I'm like, clock goes down to zero. Here comes Paul Tagliabue up to the stand. And I'm thinking, and I'm just like, I went from high to an ultimate, like almost depressed at that point, sitting and like, oh my gosh, I'm not getting picked here. And now I'm scrambling. As he's walking to the podium, I'm thinking to myself, looking at the draft picks, I'm like, well, I didn't talk to this team at 28, 29, 30. Then there's like 30. Then the second round, I'm thinking, man, I don't, who did I talk to here? I don't even know. He goes up to the, to the stage. I'm sitting there. Everybody's just kind of like down at that point. And he says, hey, with the 27th pick, the New York Jets select 
tight end, Anthony Beck out of West Virginia. And it was a the most uniform eruption of 65 people at once you could ever have with me celebrating that moment. Shocked, no call, no, no, nothing. I didn't know anything about it. I hadn't talked to anybody. My phone didn't ring the whole day up to that point. And immediately when my name was called, you know, as they're still talking about me on the screen, pick up the phone. My agent's on there with Parcells and Al Groh. And he's like, well, he's like, what'd you think of that? I was like, man, I was like, it was awesome. But I'll be honest with you. I just basically had a heart attack thinking, where the heck am I getting drafted? And, you know, lo and behold, they, you know, they kind of did that. And I don't recall TJ again, we see all the first round guys now, whether it's a camera in their house or wherever that may be, always get a call on their cell phone. We didn't have cell phones that was just starting to crank up by then, but they're always getting a call. Everybody's hugging and kissing, knows what's going on. And then bam, the pick comes up. I do not recall another guy having that experience. Help me out if you know, but man, that was unbelievable in the moment to share that with family and friends in that, in that, in that time when I got my name called. So that's a memory that will always stick to me in a story that continues to you know, light fires every every time we get around draft time. I, I love that story. I don't just like that story. I love that story every <laughs> year around draft time where the first phone call you got. And, that, and again, this was not a two or three hour process. Oh, no, By man. the time they got to the end of the first round in those days, it was usually 5 p.m., 6 p.m., five hours, six hours into the <laughs> end of the first round. A long wait, right? Not exaggerating, a long wait to not yeah. get a phone call. Weenie wraps, Chiefs puffs, tortilla dip, all that stuff was down to the bear scraps. You know, you couldn't get a full chip to dip into the into the salsa. Everything was pretty much gone, right? It was timed up perfectly. And everybody had some 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 beverages in their system at that point. And uh yeah, it was a pretty somber moment there for 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 quite a bit. But man, that, what a way to go out. I just uh you know, I, one of the few memories that very vivid in my mind when it happened and, uh, and we partied hard that night and, and uh, we enjoyed it. So it was pretty cool. Rightfully so. All right. We got to get out of here. And this man does as well. Let me uh, promote here for the audience that you can find Anthony Beck always on social media. He's a great follow for his insight. Find him at Anthony underscore Beck, B-E-C-H-T. If you're not seeing us and you're only hearing us, Anthony underscore B-E-C-H-T for his work with the Jets, with ESPN, in and around the draft, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, also, you have your football camp that is upcoming uh, as well. And I want to make mention of that because there are listeners, viewers that may be in the Tampa Bay area where you and I live, but also up in Pennsylvania, I believe you're doing dual purpose. Plug away on the football camp because here's the flyer for the first version of it coming in June, but plug away, Anthony. Yes. Yeah, so this is our 15th anniversary of having my football camp uh, started in Philadelphia. We made it here in 2006 as an additional spot, just because I made my home here. And, uh, you know, we didn't have the camp last year, so we had to cancel because of the pandemic. And I'm telling you, man, we're really excited about bringing it back. As you can see there, those dates are for the uh, Tampa camp, which is at Wiregrass Ranch High School in Wesley Chapel, June 7th through the 9th, which is a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And it's an all day camp, you know, morning to afternoon, kids in grades uh, first through eighth grade for next year's school year. And we basically teach them all the different positions in a fun way. The coaches at Wiregrass help. These high school players help as well because it's a way for them to give back to the younger generation as well. And then we have former and current Buccaneers that come out and work with the kids. Uh, on the other end, we have another camp in Philly, my high school, Monsignor Bonner High School in Philadelphia, 
uh, June the 28th, 9th, and 30th, which is again, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And that camp actually is pretty much sold out. And then the Tampa camp, again, uh, every day we get some new campers flowing in. We have great sure. sponsors. Drop your kid off. We take care of everything. And, uh, you know, really looking forward to bringing the camp back and working with the kids for a couple of days this summer. And so much was missed a year ago across yeah. the board in everything, in life, in sports, and whatever. So I know you guys are eager because you want to teach the kids and have a blast with the kids. And one more plug, they can go to anthonybeckfootballcamp.com. Yes. It's one long thing, anthonybeckfootballcamp.com, to find out more about the one in Tampa Bay, more about the one in Pennsylvania. If you want to help out, sponsor, yeah. whatever, look into it on that. All right, one more, one more before you go. I am I am as thrilled about anything uh, that I've ever said or done with you to talk about this as we share <laughs> the screen on the YouTube roundtable. Anthony's son Rocco is a starting quarterback at Wiregrass Ranch High School in the Tampa Bay area, and your son is already committed and ready to go at Iowa State. Now, we could spend a few minutes trying to counsel you and him. Does he really want to be in Ames, Iowa in late October and November versus yeah. Florida and the South? But that's okay. He's yeah. going to go be an Iowa State Cyclone. And on the YouTube roundtable, come find us if you're not seeing us. Here is young Rocco Beck, a senior-to-be in action, firing off passes. And obviously, he got that arm from Deanne, your wife. You've never thrown a ball like that in your <laughs> life. So he got his skills from his mom. But there is Rocco Beck. I am thrilled for the Becks and thrilled for Rocco. This is, I know this is as neat as anything you've been involved with in your life in football, young man. Well, you know, one, we're really proud. You know, I think that, uh, you know, most importantly for Rocco with, with kids that have dads or moms that play professional sports, you know, there's sometimes the, those pressures of living up to something. And the one thing we've, we've never done is pushed Rocco in the sense that, look, you know, this is your life. What do you want to do? You want to play baseball, basketball, football, and, you know, football took to him. He loved it. And then once he figured out, like, you know what, I'm actually decent at this. He, you know, look, how can I get better at that? What do I need to do? And basically gave him the roadmap that I didn't have when I was younger to help him get there. And But he had to do it, right? That's the, the biggest thing. And, uh, you know, it's been a phenomenal journey for him. I'm super excited about it. Uh, you know, he had a lot of other opportunities and schools that were interested and I think the one thing I'm more, most proud of, TJ, is that, you know, the fact that he's worked and trained and, and done all these little things to get where he is today. You know, we had a conversation actually yesterday and, you know, he told me about this. I know I knew what he was where he was at, but what he was, he's like with he's going to graduate early from high school, enroll early. Uh, so he's got a semester and a half left of high school. He has a 4.0 unweighted right now. And just to me, you know, it's, it's not to brag. It's just like, man, like I couldn't do that. You know, so to be able to have that balance as a student athlete and, you know, teachers comment complimenting on him as the, the student part, you know, I feel like, you know, for me and Deanne, that that's kind of the most, uh, you know, special part about this whole thing is that, you know, he he understood both sides. And that, that's the, the, the thing you try to press upon your kid and know that. So uh, that that just spoke volumes about it. And uh, listen, you know, his journey just continuing. So I'm, I'm looking forward to following it and, and being a part of it from the outside and seeing how he does. You got to come see the grin on Anthony Beck's face ear to ear as it should be. <laughs> and you never had the 4.0. I don't think that's gotta no, be no, I was man. a good student, you know, A's I and understand B's. that. Yeah, A's and B's, but man, I was, you know, 4.0. Like, I was like, what? What do you mean a 4.0? How is that even possible? And he pulled it off, man. So, uh, you That's know, congrats. Great. It's awesome.
And I, we are so excited for him getting the opportunity and uh, looking forward to that. I'm so excited for you being part of the Jets draft coverage. It will not be dull, brother. It never no, is. Yeah. It looks like the Jets are about to take uh, Zach Wilson as the BYU quarterback at the top of the draft, but we never know. We never mm-hmm. know with what happens with the draft. Listen, what a treat for me to have you here as part of the Three Dog Thursday podcast, the YouTube video roundtable. Continued success. You know this. I say this publicly. I have much affection uh, for you, your work. Any way I can help you, I will. I always am appreciative that whenever I put the bat signal up to get some help, that you're willing to come on, talk draft with me, talk NFL with me. Continued success and great to see you. Thank you for hanging here. Enjoy the draft, Anthony Beck. I appreciate it. It's always good to come on the podcast. Love what you guys are doing and love listening. So thanks for having me. Indeed, we do continue here on Three Dog Thursday, and the YouTube video roundtable continues on as well. As I like to say, make sure that you're able to hear us not only on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, but see us on the YouTube roundtable, including my next guest, longtime NFL uh, writer and voice, uh, many different outlets, National Football League. Um, insider pundit, pro football Hall of Fame voter, and also author of uh, a new Elway book, a John Elway book that came out last fall, A Relentless Life, about the former number one pick of the Denver Broncos. He is Jason Cole back with me on the program. I know we're getting to important stuff in the football when Jason Cole returns my call. Good to have you, my friend, here on the show again. Great to be here, as always. Thank you. Um, so this, uh, is always a fun time because everybody's undefeated in the off season. Yep. Everybody Christmas. believes that they're going to get it done. Um, so, so here we go with all the teams trying to figure out who's that guy that's going to help us get over the top. How enthused are you for the draft 2021 as it approaches Jason? Look, I think this one's uh, way more interesting because you have quarterbacks, you know, you have a lot of quarterbacks in this draft. You have probably five in the first round, maybe six, depending Davis Mills, you know, depending on, you know, what do people do with Kyle Trask? I don't think Kyle Trask is a first rounder. I think he's more like a late second, third round guy, but um, there's a lot of quarterbacks to sort through in this draft and quarterbacks drive everything in football. We know that. And it's driven this entire off season. Um, you, know, you know what quarterbacks do in Tampa. Um, what they have one, what one particular quarterback has done in Tampa over the past year. So you can change, you can change the complete trajectory of your franchise if you get that right. Uh, no doubt. And as we have been talking about to, to say it's quarterbacks dominating and top heavy, we may be, we don't know as we approach uh, next Thursday night, we may be about to watch four of them in a row come off the board in the first four picks. That's not to say that Atlanta would be the fourth one to take a quarterback. Maybe they will, maybe they won't because they have Matt Ryan, but it looks pretty much like Jacksonville, the Jets and the 49ers will. And if somebody trades with Atlanta hypothetically and takes a fourth one, that's never happened before. Talk about quarterback uh, top heavy, if that's the case. Um, All right. So you're a great one to talk about this again. You've covered the game, uh, honestly, going back four decades plus now and as I share the screen here for the YouTube audience um, and you're in North Florida full disclosure here I'm in the Tampa Bay area you're in North Florida the buzz is everywhere for this guy Trevor Lawrence the Clemson quarterback everybody believes a foregone conclusion as we see on the YouTube uh, video uh, that's Urban Meyer oh by the way in the background is the new coach 
So it looks like Trevor Lawrence will be the newest number one overall pick that is a quarterback uh, joining the recent likes of, ba- of Baker Mayfield. You made reference to my relationship with the Buccaneers joining the recent likes of Jameis Winston, but also uh, he will go uh, into the annals with the, the names like Andrew Luck recently or Cam Newton and then go back to, to Peyton Manning, Troy Aikman, and even John Elway. What do, you, what do you make here of Trevor Lawrence, the Jacksonville marriage? Because that looks like it is going to happen. Look, we've known for two years this kid was going to be the number one overall pick. It just was a matter of which team was going to line up and get him. Um, he's the most complete-looking player at this position since probably Peyton Manning. Um, there are very few defects, um, depending on who you like to think about. I mean, Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck, um, you know, to me, he, when I watch him play, he resembles Joe Namath to me. Not that I was, you know, I was just a little kid when Namath was playing at Alabama. But if you watch highlights of, of Namath from Alabama, you see a lot of the same movements, the arm strength, the ability to run. Namath could run before he had any injury, all those things. So this is a really, truly exciting player. I mean, I, you know, he's he's as close to a finished product as you're going to get. And I think they have, a, they have an opportunity to turn this franchise around within probably two years if everything goes right now. I still have questions about Urban and whether he's going to be able to handle the NFL game. That's a separate issue. I think they have the right player. Um, You know, they definitely have the right guy. And, you know, this is a no-brainer. And and you invest in this position, you have to. Um, I, you know, as part of the Elway book, I look back at, you know, when Elway was picked number one over in in 1983, it really changed how people looked at that position because the game itself was changing and, you know, the amount of, of emphasis on it and so ever since then I think it's like close to 50 percent of the number one overall picks are are quarterbacks Um, and if you get it right if you get a Troy Aikman you can win multiple championships if you get a Peyton Manning who won two himself right you get John Elway he won two Super Bowls you get Eli Manning you get two you you can win two two Super Bowls you can win multiple Super Bowls and here's my last point in this. If you take all of the other positions drafted at number one, um, you know, in the history of the NFL, you know, since they went to the common draft in 1970, right? There's only one player who's a non-quarterback who won multiple Super Bowls, okay? And that was Russell Maryland. And the reason he won multiple Super Bowls is he played with Troy Aikman. So... <laughs> You invest in quarterbacks and take the shot. I know everybody's like, oh, you know, what happens if it goes wrong? Well, then you go back to the drawing board. But if you get it right, it can be an amazing thing. Well, and you look just in the short term, and you know this, and I'm saying it for the audience, uh, Baker Mayfield has obviously energized the Cleveland Browns as the number one overall pick. Certainly the Buccaneers in Jameis Winston's second season were on the cusp of being a playoff team, got into playoff position, didn't make it, and then obviously Jameis regressed with interceptions. We understand that. The Colts were immediately better with Andrew Luck and a playoff team and winning teams. The Panthers became immediately better with Kate, uh, with uh, Kate, um, Cam Newton, eventually a Super Bowl team. So we're listing point after point where you can get it right and you can be quickly better, and that's what Jacksonville is hoping. But I think you and I both know they need a lot more than just 
him, the late Gail Sears, and you love when I reference Hall of Famers. He told me a line 25 years ago that I used, uh, I've used ever since. He said about the then struggling Chicago Bears, we are three or four players away from being three or four players away. That's kind of Jacksonville at this point, at three or four away from being three or four away. So, and, 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 and let me say this about what Gail experienced. No team in the history of the NFL has struggled more to find a quarterback than the Chicago Bears. Like they haven't had a great one since Sid Luckman. Right. Okay. And nobody in your audience probably knows when I say Sid Luckman, I'll bet nobody knows what I'm talking about, unless it's some 80 year old guy down in Sarasota who, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, I remember. I remember Sid. He was great. You know, like that. Are you nobody saying knows. that Bob Avellini and Eric Kramer and, uh, yeah, Sid Jim Miller? Luckman. It's, uh, I, and even it starts, it starts and ends at Sid Luckman. I understand. And let me just say this. I once met Sid Luckman at his apartment or his condo in North Miami Beach and interviewed him. And so I have been there with the only truly great Bears quarterback. I know George Blanda made the Hall of Fame. That's a whole different deal. He wasn't a really great quarterback. Uh, again, the authority on all, including Sid Luckman. I love it. We bow to you uh, on that. Jim McMahon, by the way, uh, it, it, when you look at his career numbers, it, it was the Bears defense, it was Walter Payton, and it was Jim yeah, McMahon had, kind of being game manager. McMahon, McMahon had chutzpah. You know, like he had, yes, but he the, had the something passing that, numbers, the number no, of but interceptions. They're, but they're not a pass, like, they never yeah. have been a passing team. They've never established that. They've tried, and yep. it just it's a train wreck. Like They just never have gotten that guy for whatever reason, but that's, you know, again, for it's net, we're going on 70 years since 75 years since <laughs> Luckman with Luckman left football. couple like, more fun ones. Love it with Jason Cole. Again, if you're only hearing us on the three dog Thursday podcast, come find the YouTube round table. You'll see Jason. You follow him at Jason Cole 62. I love his insight on the NFL on all things. I want to get a couple more opinions from you. One of those, how much credit go back uh, 52 weeks, basically, for the upcoming draft. How much credit should we give this guy right here who's maligned for an awful lot, Roger Goodell? Uh, and we have the shot of the YouTube roundtable of him. By, by, the, by the middle of night uh, one, he was lounging in the Barca lounger in the basement. Yeah. Uh, we, don't we deserve – we got to give him – we got to give the NFL a lot of accolades because they pushed through last year with we're going to hold our timeline, we're going to hold our draft, we're going to hold to our – our season schedule, we're going to play our full season, we're going to play our full playoffs, and it worked. When, when there was so much screaming this time a year ago, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, I, I think they deserve a lot of credit. And, and it was fun TV when we didn't have a lot else to go on to watch him in the basement calling the picks a year ago. I'm going to kind of miss the basement this, this go around for Roger Goodell. I don't think you can do the draft that way every single time. It, right. was, it, was, it was good. It was fun. It was different. Um, you know, the weird people in the background, Mike Brabel's house, whatever that was, I still haven't figured that out. Uh, <laughs> you know, Belichick's dog is just a classic. Yeah. I mean, I, th there were just so many things that were really fun about that draft. But, you know, I, they're not going to continue to do that, right? I think that Roger Goodell has done an absolutely phenomenal job of getting through the past year. Now, he did have the benefit of some run-up before they started the season so they could figure some things out. But if you look at baseball and, you know, Rob Manfred, like, 
you know, we're 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 a second season into this, and they still got problems, right? Where not not, not huge problems, but you know, some problems where they're missing a game or two, and you know, not full schedule playing. This this is their second time around, and and, and they had the, the problem of being the first ones in the basket, basically. Um, you know, NBA too, but you know, they were the first ones to restart. You know, it, it it's hard. It's really hard to do this. So yeah, Roger Goodell. Tip your cap to Roger Goodell um, and the NFL and the NFL Players Association. I think the players took this very seriously. I think there was only one time the entire year that the players were not on top of their game, and that was Denver the week that they had, you know, that they couldn't have a quarterback, right? And I think everybody learned from that, a lesson from that, which is the league's not making any exceptions for people, right? And so – you know, sorry, Broncos, you you struggled through an ugly game. That's your fault, you know, because your guys were not paying attention. And that sent a message to the entire league about, no, no, the league is, is serious. They mean business about getting this season in. Well, and to further that point is so much, again, people love to revise history, but so much of the criticism was you're not going to be able to do this without a bubble. You're not going to be able to play safely without a bubble. And what they did is they basically put the personal responsibility on the players, on the staffs, the coaches, the medical staffs of you've got to take care of this or else there are going to be ramifications on who can't play when we're trying to play games. And that's exactly what you were saying. And yes, there were delays, but yes, they played every single game, even though they had to juggle some schedule timelines from a weekend to a weeknight, they played every single game and got all the way through the regular season. And that's remarkable for what the NFL uh, was able to do. All right, a few moments left. Intriguing, fun one. Is there a name, could be a quarterback or another position, that you're very interested in for the opening night of the draft? And if so, who is that name on not not just what team does he end up with, but where does he end up? Is there a name that Jason Cole is watching for this 2021 NFL draft on the opening night? I think it's the Heisman Trophy winner, isn't it? Devontae Smith. Like, you kind of look at that and go, where's this kid going to end up? And and who's going to take that chance? Because I mean, he's an electric player. I mean, he is. He I mean, he outruns angles um, and and tacklers. He he's truly truly amazing. He's also skinny as a rail. And I would have a hard time taking this kid in the top ten. You know, if if I was if if I was a general manager sitting there and this guy's maybe 175 pounds soaking wet. Um. I just, I don't know. I don't know if I can do it because I don't think he has the frame to put on weight. You know, he can, he can destroy a defense Yep. and he might be the highest impact player in the whole thing, but I don't know if he can last. Right. That's my, that's my big, that's my big question about him. Well, we're looking at highlights on the YouTube round table right now. You're seeing them. The YouTube audience is seeing them. Amazing route runner, amazing footwork in the back of the end zone. I was here on the call on national radio for that play against Georgia in the back of the end zone. I turned to my broadcast partner, Tiki Barber, and said, my friend, that had three letters on it, NFL. And we're looking at another catch right now on the YouTube roundtable in the national championship game against Ohio State, where he, again, toe taps like the NFL. He's got speed. You've got a legitimate question about size and durability. But I am with you. We did not rehearse this. You can verify that for the audience that we did not rehearse this. We did not. But in the segment before you, I was saying to Anthony Beck, 
he better be the first receiver taken. And if he's not, it's no. a mistake. It's a mistake. About that. I'll argue with that. I would take the, I'd take the chase kid out of LSU. I take, I take his teammate, Jalen Waddle um, before I would take him. I still have um, questions about how healthy Waddle is. And, and if that injury well, I mean, isn't going to affect him forever. The medicals, the medicals are what they are, right? Right. But I can't take a kid who's that skinny. I understand. <laughs> just, it, I can't. I just can't. I want I want the guy who looks like Julio Jones if I'm if I'm up there. I and I, I know that, you know, and I know he's a great football player, but I don't want to take him at five. I don't want to take him at six. I don't want to take him at eight. I want to take him at 13, 12, 18, something like that. Because I just don't know that I'm going to get six, seven, eight years out of him. I just don't know that that's going to happen. I think he's just going to wear down. Like, to me, this is loaded with stud offensive players. You know, the quarterbacks, you know, are obvious, right? You may have four that go right out of the shoot, and then you still got Trey Lance sitting there. And then we're talking, you know, uh, Davis Mills, all that other stuff. But, you know, you got Pitts, who's just an amazing player out of Florida. You've got Panay Sewell, the, who just looks like Anthony Munoz, you know, you know uh, the, the second coming of Anthony Munoz or, you know, like Jonathan Ogden. And you just sit there and go, I can take that guy, and he's my guy for 12 years. You've got – we talked about Chase – Najee Harris is going to go late first round. Like this is just a this is a star-studded offensive draft. Sure. It's a fantastic offensive draft. And I will say to you, we'll have fun with this for years to come. Devontae uh, Smith will be in the Pro Bowl before Jamar Chase. He'll be in multiple Pro Bowls. Well, he that's because come... he's not going to play for Cincinnati. Okay, <laughs> that's true. Okay, too. You're, you're like you're making like what what, what kind of tout are you on that one? Like uh, my oh, tout, my I'm, tout I'm is betting this. against the guy from the Bengals. That's not like really going out on a limb. I understand this. I will go out on this limb. There will be numerous teams that will regret that they didn't take Devontae Smith if he does slip to 15, 18, whatever, because of the size concerns and everybody starts chirping in the offseason about what's could a criticism. Imagine, could you criticism? imagine if he drops all the way through and they sit in there for bucks at 32? Uh, no, it won't last that long. It won't yeah, last, it won't last world, that long. But, yes. but could you imagine if you put sure. him with this Godwin team? Take him. take him. Take him if you're the, uh, oh, the BGCCA. I mean, CERS. Yes, we love that with the Bucks, as you still see over my shoulder. I've got the Champa Bay uh, Buccaneers Super Bowl hat and the Rays World Series hat rock. And of course, I would love that. But Devontae Smith, again, I have no allegiance to Alabama. I I know I could be considered biased that I worked three of his games on national radio a year ago. I'm not saying uh, that he's the greatest receiver of all time. Certainly, the size thing is a legitimate point. I just see explosiveness. I see the ability to catch the football, and he is going to have a huge impact. Unless, Unless what happens... Um, that you say could happen, which is durability and injury, but that's for almost any of them. Everybody's praising Kyle Pitts in our state, and Kyle Pitts has had injury problems. And whoever ends up with Kyle Pitts could take him, and he could play a year or two and be injured and gone out of the NFL. That's for all. He, of them. he could. He could be. I just look and and look. This is the era where you can take Devonte Smith because the hitting is not the same. Like if you took this kid in the '90s, there's no way. There's just no way, or even the two, early 2000s. There's no way he he survives, right? Because there's just it was too the game was too physical, right? This may be the era where you can take a chance on Devonte Smith because you know he's not going to get hit, you know, over the middle as mu- as much. 
but I, you know, look, it's like Bill Parcells once said, you know, you just talk to Anthony Becht and, you know, Parcells with the, the famous class of taking four first rounders and all these kind. Of, there's a reason Parcells has always said there is a reason there are weight classes. Okay. In boxing. And that's because over time, the bigger man wins. There is a reason that you take bigger, stronger people in the NFL. Over the long haul, the bigger, stronger guy wins. Okay? I, there are a few I, I love Parcells. I love you. I stick with Muhammad I'm not Ali. sure I love Parcells, but... Well, I, but I'm, I'm saying I love... But, but, <laughs> I mean, he had success. I'm with Ali. You can't hit what you can't see. So float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Let's see if that's Devontae Smith. And we spent so much time on him. His agent should send us something because we're yes. talking him up and he'll get talked up much more over the next month or so. Let me plug one more time for Jason Cole uh, right here that Elway, A Relentless Life is still out. It's a great read through and through. And we should not lose sight of the fact that you cover in the book, uh, arguably two of the most critical things in the run-up to the draft. He may have played baseball for the New York Yankees, and you cover that in the book. Instead, uh, as a leverage play, he didn't play baseball. He decided to still play football, and mm -hmm. he ends up in Denver. And you cover how he ended up in Denver, and the rest is history for his career and for winning Super Bowls. Plug away one more time for Elway, A Relentless Life. We're looking at the book on the YouTube roundtable. Plug away for the audio audience. Yeah. If you like, this is not just a profile of a great player. It is a piece of history, as I've had a number of people tell me, about understanding how the NFL worked at the time. Like the trade, you just were, you talked about the trade to Denver and how it worked. This is a thorough, deep examination of how one of the greatest trades in the history of the league actually happened, right? And so I'm really proud of that because I got behind the scenes stuff, stuff that played out over months and months and months, right? Um, and in fact, in really over years, okay, the relationship between the then owner of the Denver Broncos, Edgar Kaiser, and the uh, then owner of the, the Colts, Bobby Ursay, okay, he's since passed, they both since passed away. Great background. I will also plug this part of the book. If you're looking for a gift for Father's Day, okay, there is nothing greater in this book than the discussion of the relationship between Jack Elway, John Elway's father, and John. And I think it's a precious and wonderful and uplifting story that, um, so, you know, if you're out there, if you're looking for a Father's Day gift, this is what you do. Go buy it for your dad. If you're, you know, you can buy it for your mom too. I don't care. Or your mom can buy it for whoever, but this is a great Father's Day present as well. Love the plug on that. And yeah, John Elway, a tremendous coach and tremendous influence in his own right uh, there. Uh, Jack Elway with John Elway. So, what a, uh, what a success story for Denver. And maybe Denver, speaking of the quarterbacks, will get it right at, at some point, too. They have not ever since Elway really has been gone and certainly have not the last few years, but that's up to them. Everybody's trying to figure it out with the draft. Love this man's insight. Again, follow him at Jason Cole. We look at that on the screen one more time on the YouTube roundtable. Uh, for those seeing us, Jason Cole, 62. Check him out right there. Elway, A Relentless Life is the book. I always love getting to break it up. Uh, chop it up with you here um, on the uh, on the show and on the YouTube roundtable. Let's do it again whenever we get the opportunity and football comes back around. But thank you here. Love the great stuff on the NFL draft, Jason Cole. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate it, TJ. Be good.
We are back in here one more time with senior handicapper and insider for Vegas Insider and MajorWager.com. The Brian Edwards back with us on Three Dog Thursday. Lots of talk in the previous uh, middle segments with Anthony Beck and Jason Cole about the NFL draft. You and I talked a bunch about it last week. We're bigger believers in Devontae Smith, and obviously Jason Cole apparently is. Uh, he just has questions about his size, his durability in the NFL. He can lose the bets to me that he, that he and I were making there. But um, I want to cut of your best with yeah, him because Devontae please. Smith is a Hall of Famer. I'm with you. I'm with you. that he. I don't know if he's going to go to the Hall of Fame, but as I said to Cole, he's going to be in the Pro Bowl before Jamar Chase is in the Pro Bowl. He is going to be somebody that's leading the league in receptions and or yards before Jamar Chase is. Take Jamar Chase before Devontae Smith and regret it. Just putting it out there. All right. And so, while, you're, while you're hitting on that, let's make sure let's get to the rookie uh, of, of the year at some point in this segment. All right, so we can put yeah we can do that with the projections. Why don't we begin right there? So you're looking at the uh, the futures odds, underdog odds, if you will, for rookie of the year, and we don't know the the player's connection to a team, and and we could speculate who's going to end up on what team. As Jason said, sure, if Jamar Chase ends up on the Bengals or ends up on an awful team, it's going to be it's going to be more problematic. But you're looking at the futures odds. What do you have for rookie of the year possibilities that you like right now? Just throw a couple out there. I'm just going to – I'll tell you, I only like one, but I'll tell you who's – whether it is uh, Trev or Lawrence is the plus 200 favorite. Fields is 4-1. Uh, to one. Zach Wilson, 6-1. to one. Mac Jones, 7-1. to one. Kyle Pitts, 10-1. to one. Ding, ding. There's your easy as hell winner. Boom. Trey Lance, 12-1. to one. Chase, 14-1. to one. Where's uh, Devontae? Devontae's 16-1. to one. I'm, not, I'm not opposed to getting a little nibble of Devontae or Najee at 16-1, to one, but Pitts, 10-1, to one, is the winner. But you don't care if that's a connection just to Atlanta. You're saying wherever he is, you believe Kyle Pitts will be rookie of the year. Are you are you hooking that to you gotta have him with I'm the hooking Falcons? Hooking that to Matt Ryan and Ridley and Julio. So wait, who is five again? Five, five is the Bengals, I believe. Yes. Uh, I'd be fine if they took him because Burrow. Um yeah. So I, I'm hooking it to Atlanta, but I'm fine with it if it's Cincinnati. And obviously Miami six. Uh, with Tua there, uh, man, if Tua ends up with Devontae Smith, by the way, with their weapons uh, there in Miami, let's see what happens um, on that. I'm curious on the under-overs, et cetera. You went over this uh, last week with some different guys' draft positions. Uh, Pitts, for example, five and a half is his under-over. You're making it well-known. You believe Atlanta will grab him or somebody will grab him at four or five. Will it be four quarterbacks in a row, though, one, two, three, four, even if, even if the Falcons don't make the pick and trade out of it? Trey Lance is an interesting name for North Dakota State. The under-over is six and a half on his draft position. Are you interested in the under or the over one way or the other on the North Dakota State product on how early he might go? Very interesting that he's, he's uh, six and a half. Yeah, no, I'm not interested. I haven't watched him enough. I just know I don't want my Falcons to take him. And I just, <laughs> just in general, I mean, he hasn't played enough games. What's he got, like 11 FCS starts? I just don't think that – you can make a multi-million dollar investment um, not being able to see him play enough. I mean, I just, that's just a general rule of thumb, I would think. But, I mean, maybe he's great. I, I, don't, I'm, I can't speak to him intelligently because I haven't seen him enough. All right, so interesting on those selections uh, and what might happen with the NFL draft. Little draft talk there um, on that. And again, it would be the first time ever. And we got time to talk about it again next week before the draft begins next Thursday night, three night, 
three day and night process, Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday, are there going to be four straight quarterbacks taken? That has never happened before in the history of the NFL draft. We will find out if that is the case. And by, and by the way, stay away from Trevor Lawrence uh, with the minus 200, or was it plus 200 to plus, be the rookie? Plus 200. plus 200 because he plays for the Jaguars who are going absolutely nowhere. As we joked with Jason Cole, I'll repeat the line again here. Uh, the late Gale Sears had the line, the Jaguars are three or four players away from being three or four players away. It's going to take wow, them a while to be any good. Uh, it, so we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, on that. All right. Um, UFC, before we get out of here on Three Dog Thursday, my man Brian Edwards, again from Vegas Insider and MajorWager.com, has been chomping at the bit for like an hour now that we're into the podcast. You can't wait to launch on UFC pay-per-view Jacksonville, Florida, uh, coming this Saturday night. Give me more and what you're looking at. Go. Yep, full capacity. Uh, Actionville, Florida, on the St. John's River. We've got Jorge Gamebred Masvidal rematched with Kamaru Usman, the undefeated welterweight champion of the world. He is listed as a minus 450 favorite. Masvidal is anywhere from plus 300 to plus 350. You'll remember this past, uh, or whatever, like four or five months ago, or maybe longer, um, during the heart of the pandemic, um, uh, Gilbert Burns got tested positive for COVID. He was going to fight Usman on Fight Island. Uh, so Masvidal, this was like eight days away. It was, the news broke on Friday night, and so the fight was eight, yeah, eight days away. Uh, Masvidal gets a call from his manager. He says, "I want the fight," but he had to lose like twenty-three pounds in eight days. He had oh. to fly from he had to fly from Miami to Vegas, do all his testing. Then he had to fly from Vegas to Abu Dhabi, um, and and he had to lose all that weight. And, you know, so he just wasn't ready for a five-round fight. Now, he had his moment standing up, but Usman was able to use his wrestling, hold him, or like Masvidal, Gamebred says, he, he, he sniffed my crotch for 25 minutes, or, you know, <laughs> he just, you know, he, he just tried, likes to, Wrestle and hold and hug and kiss is what Masvidal says. He goes, but this time Masvidal will have a full camp. Now, I think Usman probably wins seven times out of ten. However, uh, Masvidal lives for these moments, and I think he's going to win by knockout. Don't risk a lot, but anywhere from plus 300 to plus 350, uh, if you'd like to bet, you got to take a shot on that dog because Masvidal wow. can leave him out cold uh, early in the fight at any moment. And um, interesting. So you're taking the knockout prop there in that as the underdog prop, you believe by knockout uh, for that one. Did you have another one or that's just the main one you're looking at for UFC for Saturday night? I'm not against Alex Cowboy Oliveira at around plus 125 ish. Uh, He is facing Randy Brown. Um, You know, I love Rose Namajunas, and she's fighting to get her strawweight title back against Weile Zhang. But Weile Zhang just looks so good. That'll be a great fight, but I can't go against Zhang. She's minus 200. I mean, anytime you see Namajunas plus 170-ish, it's attractive, but I I can't do that this week. Understood. All right. And uh, I see your UFC pay-per-view, and I make mention that ESPN will televise the top-ranked boxing about an hour and a half to the south of Jacksonville in Kissimmee, Florida. There will be fighting a couple of uh, interesting fights, a world championship fight 
uh, in the featherweight division, Mexico's Emmanuel Navarrete, who I am a fan of, big knockout guy, is fighting Christopher Diaz, 12-round bout for Navarrete's WBO World Featherweight Championship. Navarrete's won like 27 fights in a row. He's got like 25 KOs in the 27 wins. He's a big knockout guy in the main event. Uh, lanky, big punching uh, a fighter in the featherweight division. And then very interesting, Brian Edwards, I'm giving you a name. The name is Edgar Berlanga. Edgar Berlanga right now will fight a super middleweight undercard fight scheduled for eight. Ask me why we care about Edgar Berlanga. Ask me why we care about Edgar, please, in your own voice. Why do we care, TJ? We care because Edgar has begun his career with 16 consecutive first-round knockouts. So in the co-feature, he not just has 16 knockouts to begin his career. Super middleweight Edgar Berlanga, 168 pounds, which, by the way, is the same division where Canelo Alvarez is right now. Berlanga's got a while to work his way up to that. Berlanga is 16 for 16 on not hearing the bell to end the first round. So let's see what happens against Damon Nicholson. That is the co-feature fight on, e on ESPN. So you might have to have a little picture-in-picture -picture dual screen going for a little while because it won't take long on Berlanga to find out did the guy make it out of the first round or not. That's the drama for Damon Nicholson. Saturday night and Berlanga is a big puncher. This is not a joke. The question is, is the competition a little better and can the guy make it out of the first round? Um, we will see. So that's, that again two is the ESPN show Saturday. I've got two things for you. One, just so everybody knows that doesn't, isn't aware that's boxing fan and not in the MMA. Ben Askren is the worst striker in MMA history. We all knew that going into it. So just to, <laughs> Just to defend Jake, the MMA So people. that you know, so that the audience knows, Jake yeah. Paul, failed actor, YouTube star, laid Ben Askren out in the main event of whatever that was last Trash Saturday night in Atlanta. television. Yes. Oh. It was, it was oh. tough to watch. Oh. So, again, YouTube star against uh, MMA, whatever he is, didn't last very long. And do you have Best any other star. points? Do you have any other points? Oh, when I, the second thing was, was, was going to be a question. You remember <laughs> at the start of the pandemic, that first boxing fight on ESPN? I liked yes. that guy that was so good. What's so going that on is Shakur Stevenson for ESPN, and he is in Thank the you. mix for later this summer, title fight, et cetera. So we'll keep an eye on Shakur. Still hasn't and fought since that night. He's fought I'm one at. time and won. So, again, he's, he's kind of lurking. He's going to be back this summer Shakur Stevenson out of Washington DC again back to Berlanga this is the co-feature fight Saturday night on big ESPN not on ESPN plus not on ESPN the Ocho but on ESPN the record Brian Edwards as far as anybody can tell going back in professional records all of boxing all time is 24 straight wins by first round knockout so Ooh. Berlanga to start your career 24 I straight to start your career so Berlanga has a ways to go, and that's the real intrigue. Can this guy, Damon Nicholson, who's who's won 10 or 12 fights, can he hang in there and see the end of the first round or not? And then we go from there with Berlanga. We'll find out. Loranga is uh, minus anywhere from minus 500 to minus. What's the odds? What's the odds on the first round? Because that's that's the biggest thing. That's got to oh, yeah, be a yeah. minus 500 or something like that. You got to be laying wow. big time. What do you have? Well, the over-under is seven and a half rounds. You Correct. can take under for just minus 110. Okay, for him to win in round one, wow, 20 to one odds. <laughs>
That's at William Hill and an offshore called Bet365. All right. So Edgar Berlanga, keep an eye on that name. Navarrete is the main event as a featherweight big puncher. Those are the two fights on ESPN. And by the way, a free plug to go check out the Big Fight Weekend podcast. It's one of our uh, brother podcasts here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of shows where we talk boxing nonstop. Marquise Johns is with me on that one. We talked to Marquise, talked to Damon Nicholson this week on the interview about whether or not he can take the punch from Berlanga in the opening round or not you'll hear that interview on the big fight weekend podcast through sports gambling podcast network of shows and the sports gambling podcast.com brian edwards tell them more about your nba picks everything with the futures odds the draft the ufc picks how do they find out more of the information go for it you can find me on twitter at vegas b edwards uh my picks are on vegasinsider.com uh you can also find content of mine at majorwager.com and follow major wager on twitter at major wager uno is the handle thanks for having me tj and good luck to everyone with their wagers yes good luck with all of this stuff my thanks to anthony beck the former new york jet the former longtime nfl player and also college analyst with espn and as well jason cole national football league uh, writer for many years uh, national writer and also pro football hall of fame voter and that elway book again is a relentless life jason's biography a relentless life with john elway and the draft coming next week. For now, we're done. Enjoy all the games this weekend, NBA, the fights, uh, everything else that's happening. We're back next week with more draft coverage for the NFL draft and more underdogs on Three Dog Thursday. Bye.